Hi, everyone. I'm Steve, if we haven't met. Uh, normally, you know me as the director of music at the UU here, but my nine to five is as a professor. So I thought it would be appropriate to start with a test. <laughs> Jonathan, let's roll the tape here. Count how many times the players wearing white pass the basketball. <laughs> Got it? Just the people in white. How many passes did you count? How many? The correct answer is 15 passes. But did you see the gorilla? <laughs> Thank you, Jonathan. I love that test. I love it for the shiver of embarrassment the first time I did it. And I love, more importantly, that you never not see the gorilla the second time. <laughs> there are dozens of these selective attention tests. It's otherwise known as the invisible gorilla test. And I promise you, for the rest of your life, if someone shows you one, you're going to be looking for the gorilla. <laughs> and it, it inspires a deeper thought that there are a lot of things that we do and see that we're looking for one thing, but there are more things than that. I want you to picture in your mind's eye the FedEx logo, and you see the five letters. Some of you are nodding because you already know what I'm going to. There's an arrow in the word, but my brain wasn't looking for that. My brain was looking for the five letters. Jonathan, roll the tape. There it is. The arrow between the E and the X. And if you never noticed, did you see it now? Yeah, between the, between the E and the X, there's that arrow, right? And you'll never not see it now that you know that it's there. Every truck that passes by, that, that blue arrow is meant to, to fit between the E and the X, but I messed up on PowerPoint. You see it? <laughs> you'll never not see it now that you know that it's there. And what does this have to do with choir? We, <laughs> not much. In choir, we sing at all of the services, not just the first one. So we go to the first service and we take in the service the way someone attending service takes it in. Where's this poem going? I'm excited for it. Where's this worship reflection going? Brian's talking about cake. I don't know how this is going to land, but I'm there for it, right? And then the sermon and we're following it in real time and we're taking it in with our selective attention, right? And then we come back for the second service and we already know where it's going. And so we start to see the architecture of the service. We start to notice that I have now played for you three times and my life flows on an endless song before you even sing it before the closing hymn. It's woven its way into the service three times. So in the first time we go through the service, we experience a totality of it. We experience the feeling of the service. But the second time, the choir and the other ministers see the architecture of the service. And once you see it, you never unsee it. And so that is what I invite us into is, as we talk today about worship services, all the disparate elements that go together to make a cohesive whole in the service, the readings, the hymns, the reflections, the sermon, are all constructed to make one thing. 
And that is like a choir. You have these disparate people, right? You have a paralegal and a preschool teacher and an electrical engineer and a retiree, and you have high voices and you have low voices and you have louder and quieter voices. You have folks who like to read music, folks who like to learn music by ear. And they all come together like the worship liturgy itself, or as Hope Johnson would say, a diverse group of proudly kindred spirits, here not by coincidence, but because we choose to journey together. And may that be so. May it be so. Thank you so much for, for that reflection. Uh, it really, not only, I hope that you have noticed, not only, uh, sorry, and enjoyed the, the hilarity of it and the fun of it, but also the, in, the invitation, uh, right, to pay closer attention to what is it that we do when we gather together in worship with one another. So today I want to share with you words about how are we shaped by worship. And I hope that in these words you hear an invitation to think deeply and deeper of the practices that we do when we gather. And I also want to say good morning to each and every one of you, whether you are gathered in fellowship in the sanctuary or joining us like I am via technology. It is my hope that throughout the arc of this service, you will find moments of comfort moments of inspiration and moments of transformation. I believe that we gather in worship primarily because we have made a choice and the choice is to be in community because it is in worship where we come together from our multiple walks of lives to find a moment of rest. We come to worship with our multiple beliefs, our many practices that restore us, because we believe that worshiping together is a central act of our communal lives. It is in worship that we tell who we are and who we hope to be. It is also when we are gathered that we do so in a spirit of welcome. I would say that many of us are familiar with the words that oftentimes we hear in UU spaces. Whoever you are, whatever you are in your life journey, you are welcomed here. These are some of the words that you may be familiar with. They were penned by the poet Rumi, and they actually are longer. The verse goes like this, come, Come, whoever you are, wanderer, worshiper, lover of living, it doesn't matter. Our caravan is not of despair. Come, even if you have been, even if you have broken your vows a thousand times, come, yet again, come, come. Perhaps we can say a word like this to one another. And we do so because we hold fast to being in community where we are committed to one another's spiritual growth and our responsible search for meaning matters to us. Whether we are wanderers who are seeking deeper meaning, exploring religious traditions, exploring spiritual practices, 
learning new songs and new ways of being. Whether we are worshipers who are seeking a place to mourn the sorrows that have visited us upon our personal and communal lives, we come together in ritual with one hope, the hope of restoration. Whether what draws in is a love, a love that challenges to live our lives as witness to justice in the service of others, so that we can work together to shape our world into a better one. And even in those moments when we have fallen short of our vows of covenant with one another, we'll still find a welcome. To me, the words of late Reverend Hope Johnson reminds us of that. And you heard Steve also say that. Because we are one, a diverse group of proudly kindred spirits. We are here not by coincidence, but because we choose to journey together. We are active and proactive. We care deeply. We live our lives as best as we can. We gather in worship once again, not by coincidence, but because we have made the choice of weave our lives together. Worship shape us as a people. If that is so, then it is our faithful work to bear witness through the acts of our lives to the power of that message. I want to share with you a story of an experience that I have teaching a Sunday lesson to an elementary age group about the meaning of worship. On this particular occasion, I was invited by a local Christian church to teach a lesson to a group of one to third graders on the meaning of the colors of the liturgical calendar. As a teaching prop, I was using a calendar wheel that represented the liturgical colors of the various religious seasons. The goal was to connect what they may have noticed around the sanctuary, the colors of the vestments were by the priest, the particular difference, uh, the particular difference between their high holidays and the days in between, and in particular to the rituals that the, that the community practiced. I asked the young humans in my class about the meanings of the various colors and their symbols. It was not surprising to me, but I actually expected that most of the high holidays, at least the names of them, if not their full meaning, were mentioned. They have a, a deep awareness of the things they did as a community during those days. For example, red for Pentecost and Holy Week, purple for Lent, white for Christmas and Easter, but green caused some confusion. Depending on your own religious journey, if you have familiarity with congregations that practice what is oftentimes termed high liturgy, you may require that green is prevalent in the Christian liturgical calendar. And this is not a nod to ecological justice, although it might be possible to infuse several liturgies with it. But this particular group of humans, young humans, knew that green is used for epiphany season, but they were not sure why, because it was so prevalent during the year. The festive colors of the holidays with the reds and purples, the preparations and the rituals in worship that they did, the special food, the special lessons, set them aside as a moment of communion celebration. But the other Sundays, the green ones, 
for those first to third graders were somewhat bland, normal, maybe even the boring days where they have to come to church and there was not much going on. One of the children blurted out, well, I guess the rest of the green Sundays are optional Sundays. And I will admit that even I laughed for a moment. But I decided to turn that slip into a teachable moment. And I said the following, you were quite close, I said. Those Sundays are referred to not as optional, but ordinary, meaning that they stand for those Sundays outside of the major holidays. So I said, and as I was saying this, these young children also pipe up one more time, just as I said. If they are not mayor, then they're ordinary, and ordinary is optional, and therefore it is boring. And we laugh again for another round, but a deeper realization dawned on me. In this particular faith community, there has been a failure of attention. Because you see, there was intentional attention to the ways in which the emphasis was given to the special holidays. The changes of the rhythm of the communal life were marked. Many engage in the preparations and care to prepare their sanctuary for different events. They took care to practice the rituals that would mark the new season. They were engaged in deep practice for the high holidays. However, the same kind of intentionality was not given to ordinary Sundays and therefore they became optional. Because of this practice, they took for granted that ordinary times when the community gathered to worship is actually a moment of preparation for those other moments, for those high holidays. But regardless whether you are in ordinary time or in high holiday time, you are connected by one story, the story that give your faith meaning. The stories that bind us together as a community, the stories that shape our life so that we can live with hope into tomorrow. And I think that this may be a common reality in our faith communities, but it needs not to be so. It needs not to be so. Every Sunday, every time we gather, it is a special time it is a time of a signpost of sort where we come to celebrate one another, to gain inspiration, hope, and comfort. These times when we are gathered are not optional times. They may be ordinary times, but these are the time in which the mundane of our lives get visited by the holy that we co-create when we are together. And that, my friends and beloveds, is not optional. Over generations, I think that as a community of faith, we have worked around uneasily around worship and liturgy, because given our multiple beliefs and our multiple faith traditions or lack of beliefs, we are trying not to offend, not to exclude one another. And at times, it means that we do not offer each other enough sustenance. We have not taken to heart the reality that Jeffrey and Dave Davidson name about liturgy, that liturgy help us get the faith into our bones, 
into our flesh and blood and bones once again. For a liberator, a liberal religious communities as ours, this may have a different meaning because we are make the commitment to encourage one another and respect one another in our multiplicity, and yet we decide to come together. For me, that means that we take it that being a spiritual community means that we will find the inspiration in diverse sacred teachings, in ethical teachings, because we know that we can hold in tension our traditions and our being if we welcome the spirit of life to move in our midst, to birth the community that we are meant to be. For Bell Hooks, this is not so much about talking about God or, or the sacred, or even religious traditions. Instead, the spirituality that we can cultivate is about practice, how we live in the world and how we relate to the self and others. And I think this is true of our worship. Worship has shaping power. That power comes from the story that we tell ourselves of who we are as a community and i hope that every time you gather in worship with friends and strangers alike you take a moment to ponder the mystery of the hour to be inspired by our songs and our messages to renew ourselves day by day with a new commitment to bring the stories into the world to change a narrative of injustice into ones of justice, to change the narratives of suffering and pain and give them new ending of restoration. And more importantly, that our stories and how we worship shape our lives with dignity, grace, and mercy for one another and for the sake of the world. May it be so and blessed be.